Before we get into our regularly scheduled content, we have some very exciting news, especially for those good girls who live in New York City. We are returning to our rightful home, the stage, with a new Good Girls Gone Sad live show this December. On Thursday the 15th, we will be at Stand Up New York at 8 p.m. with an awesome lineup. This will be our most exciting and special show ever because my birthday is that week, so this is doubling as my 30th birthday celebration. This is Becca, by the way. So if you're in New York or want to plan a trip or just want to tell your friends about it, come check out Good Girls Gone Sad Presents 30 Flirty and Sad Thursday, December 15th at 8 p.m. at Stand Up New York. Follow us on Instagram for lineup updates and tickets at Good Girls Gone Sad. Hope to see you there. Are you there, God? It's us. Sip King and Becca Stevenson. Welcome to the Good Girls Gone Sad podcast. We are here today, as always, to answer the questions, what made you good and what makes you sad? We started this podcast to dispel the rumor that good girls go bad. Sometimes they go sad, but mostly we go wherever we want. So we are here to unpack our religious drama together. And yes, that's right. We do say drama because the best parts of religion are performative. Just a reminder, as always, we're not here to bash. We're just here to bond and talk about our shared religious drama. We have a really exciting guest here today. Every so often we get a guest that one of us has stalked on social media for a while. And today is one of those days. Um, We have followed him on Twitter and on Instagram for quite a bit of time and shared lots of your tweets back and forth. Um, So we've, we've been very impressed by just the font of biblical knowledge and jokes that you are coming up with. So everyone should absolutely follow him on Twitter after this episode. Um, We are so excited to introduce you to Mason Meninga. He's the host of a People's Theology podcast and the Black Sheep podcast, uh, both of which are great listens. If you want to check them out, welcome, Mason. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Uh, I don't know if I'm on the right podcast, though, because I'm definitely a good girl that went bad, not sad. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, you can go wherever you want, famously. (laughs) Did you go sad before you went bad? Was there a... um... Yeah, I I mean, I am an Enneagram 4, so you could just like send me the wrong type of email and that will ruin my day. So um, I I think I'm going both sad and bad all at the same time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. Exactly. We, um, we all, I mean, you get sad. I think you have to get sad to go bad. Something has to change within you. Of course. Yeah, that's true. Well, Sid and I are both Enneagram threes. If that tells you anything about what this podcast is like. Oh boy. I'm in for a treat today. (laughs) Yes. Um, cool. Well, we can just dive right into our core question. Um, Mason, we would love to know what your good girl origin story is. Yeah. Well, it started out with two people that fell in love with one another and um, had a sexual relationship. And, um, you know, there was one uh, sperm that just swam a little faster than the others and one. And uh, here I am today. Uh, But in between all of that time, uh, I grew up in South Dakota, which if you know anything about South Dakota, you probably are right about whatever stereotype comes to mind. And uh, I grew up in the heart of conservative evangelicalism. I grew up, uh, my, the first songs I ever learned were VeggieTales songs. And then I quickly got into like Christian alternative stuff like Reliant K and Switchfoot and a lot of like heavier tooth and nail and solid state and all the, you know, for those who really nerd out on Christian music, got into that and uh, had certainly my John Piper phase, my Francis Chan phase, and, you know, all the people you can think of in that time. And then uh, went to college, went to a conservative Christian college, 
like many of us do, uh, somehow didn't do a ring by spring and made it out unmarried. And uh, yeah, lived in Minneapolis for a little while, uh, was working as a youth pastor, started seminary during that time. And uh, here I am. I, I'm just uh, just a dude doing podcasts, you know, like whatever white guy should be doing in their 20s. And uh, I, that's, I think my origin story, at least that's most of my story in a nutshell. I don't know. Are, are there other things about my origin story you would like to know? No, that's great. I mean, we talk a lot about veggie tales on this podcast. Um, and I definitely come from a Reliant K youth group. I will say that was well, okay, very speaking of which, core. have you ever heard the Reliant K cover of the pirates who don't do anything? Yes. Oh, but I don't know that Sid has, I actually totally forgot it's that existed. So good. It's so good. We are the pirates. So famously, famously to me and the people who listen to this podcast, um, I grew up really Catholic. And so we didn't oh. really have a lot of super fun media. And I'm really jealous of the people that did. We were a very big VeggieTales people. Like my dad would wake me up in the morning going, Da Bunny, Da Bunny. Oh, I love Da Bunny. <laughs> um, so that was great. Um, but beyond that, like I just sang in like a eight part harmony chamber choir a lot of latin so jealous that you had like fun concerts to go to i can't believe um, you didn't have electric guitars at your church sid <laughs> we know we had two guys who could play electric guitar what actually my ex-boyfriend played the electric bass so we were a power couple um Ooh. but um wait mason you are currently receiving a degree in indianapolis is this correct uh, I, so I finished that degree a couple of years okay. ago. Okay. Yeah. I got my master of divinity in Indianapolis, uh, mm -hmm. or, or at a seminary in Indianapolis. And then I just got a master of arts in theology at the seminary workout, which is in Minneapolis too many Appleses. You got to go to Annapolis. You got to just complete the trifecta of Appleses. I um, know. <laughs> I only bring it up cause I'm from like Noblesville, which is just North of Indianapolis. That's where okay. I, uh... I, I was living in Minneapolis that, during that entire time. I was a distance student. I got to go to Indianapolis a few times, but okay. beyond Indianapolis okay. proper, I have no idea where any of those other places are. For the best, probably. Um, I went to high school with Mike Pence's niece and nephew. That's where I'm oh. from. <laughs> I went That's to a vibe. church one time. <laughs> I went to a church one time in Indianapolis, and I was told that Peyton Manning is still a tithing member of that church. I wouldn't believe that. Yeah, Peyton Manning's always, he's always just around. Yeah, he he's really kind of was. a big deal out there in Indianapolis. I mean, there, what else is there to do in Indianapolis other than just be a fan of a guy with a big forehead? <laughs> um, watch cars drive fast. Once I again. guess there's that. But those yeah. are the only two things. That's literally yeah. all that there is. And pray. Or I guess go to seminary. And pray, yeah, exactly. yes. <laughs> um, Mason, what was your college experience like? Do you want to elaborate a little bit on, I thought the ring by spring thing was funny because I thought that was just like a Southern um, SEC school saying, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but no, it makes that's... so much sense at a Christian school as well. Yeah. That's just wherever you go. If there is a evangelical presence, that is a thing that happens. Uh, yeah. I went to a, a little tiny college in Northwest Iowa in a County that is statistically the most conservative County in America. During the 2016 Trump election was my senior year there. And there was a big New York Times article that came out 
all about it. And I was like, well, yep, that seems to be true because I know a lot of people out here and they're exactly that statistically the most conservative people in the country. So yeah, I went to this conservative Christian college there, but ironically the religion department was like moderate at like most, I mean, it was, it was like way more liberal than the rest of the college and certainly the rest of that County. And so it was a very interesting place to be in. Um, and yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. My, I learned a type of Christianity that existed that I had no idea existed prior to going to that college. And so I got really involved and really influenced by that Christianity during that time in college. And so my faith dramatically changed during that time. Uh, you could say I quote unquote deconstructed during that time. I started really questioning a lot of beliefs, but then because I was a religion and youth ministry major, I was like, oh, I was studying all this other theology and all these other types of Christianity that again, I had no idea existed. And so as I was questioning some of the beliefs that I had grown up with, I was also presented different ways of thinking about the Christian faith. So yeah, that was kind of my college experience in a nutshell, and it really changed my life. And I'm very grateful for it, even though it was an extremely conservative Christian college in an even more conservative area of the country. Wow. Did you have things like RUF and crew and all of that at your school? Or I just, I went to a school where a lot of people were Christian, but it was, you had to kind of like find each other in these groups. So like the RUF versus crew experience and things like that were very different. We did sort of have that, but because it was a small Christian college, they had their own campus ministry. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times other campus ministries that usually would be at like a state school were not exactly encouraged or invited to be on campus just because they already had their own campus ministry. And they, pay, you know, the school itself was paying, you know, people's salaries to be our campus ministers. And so to have some other campus ministries try to, up, you know, upset that wasn't exactly encouraged. So I didn't really grow up in like the crew or FCA world, but we did have a college campus ministry. I was a part of it for a time. I led to our, what we called their discipleship groups, which mm, met I had a disciple. Tuesday evening. Uh, of course they were very gender segregate, se segregated. And so, yeah, I led that for like a year or two. Uh, and actually I think my last year, my last semester, I graduated at semester my senior year. So I was like one of those half semester people and or half half a year people and i remember i worked for campus ministry and i think all i was supposed to do was be like ears to hear like what are students talking about in their spiritual lives like what are they struggling with what are the things that give them hope that kind of thing and then i would report that back to our campus minister somehow i got paid to do that it was weird that's so interesting. Yeah. Discipleship is something that like, I kind of forgot about until we started doing this podcast. And then I've realized that like a lot of people don't understand that concept at all. But we had, when I was a sophomore in college, we met with a senior girl every week and we read, uh, Oh, I don't remember maybe like Louis Giglio's book or something and talked about it every week. And I just remember it kind of devolves because we, there were some things that we read and we were like, I don't know that I agree with this. And then we would kind of talk about like other things in relation. So I don't think it was the purpose of discipleship, but I felt like it was really helpful for me at least to unpack my own like beliefs and how they um, combated some of the stuff that I was learning. So super interesting. It's funny you bring up Louis Giglio because I remember at one point during one of these discipleship groups, we were watching this video that he, you know, he was giving this talk. 
And I remember distinctly, and even I was pretty, still pretty conservative at that time. And he has this like whole thing about, there's like this certain molecule in our bodies and the way that it's shape is like a cross. And it's but like, when he talks about this, it's like, he reveals the shape of this molecule and everybody sees that it's a cross. And like, you hear the whole crowd going, <gasps> right. And I just remember like, even at that time, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, that's just <laughs> coincidence. Like there's a lot of things in, in nature that are shot, like cross shape. Why is this like a big deal? I, I, anyway, I just remember thinking that that was very hokey, even at that time. And I was still like pretty conservative and probably would have bought into most of what he was saying at that time. But that one little bit about this, like cross shaped molecule or whatever, I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I really bought into that. Like the, I saw a TikTok recently about like the way of speaking that like pastors learn and to sway your emotions and stuff. And like, that was that really worked on me when I was, especially in high school. Like we went to these big conferences and stuff. And I was like, so drawn in by those little things. Like I would have probably cried when I realized the <laughs> chromosome was cross-shaped. I feel like you've kind of already touched on it and like your um, Christian or co Christian college experience, but like, is that what, for lack of a better term, made you sad? Yeah. I mean, I was already starting to experience a little bit of trauma. That's how I'm going to interpret that question. I started to experience a little bit of trauma while I was in the heart of evangelicalism growing up. I certainly got all the purity culture and all of that. And it was in high school that I really started to question a lot of the purity culture that I had grown up in. I just, it didn't vibe really well with me anymore. And, and then, so I took those questions and doubts around purity culture and other parts of the Christian faith that I had grown up in, took that to college. And then that was when I started, all right, well, I know I don't believe these things and then realized, oh, I actually believe these sort of things about Christianity. Uh, so it was during that time. And because I started to change a lot in my faith, I started to, my, my relationship with my parents and my family really started to change. And that has remained to this day. My parents are still very, very conservative and very, very evangelical. And so, yeah, that's very much uh, a lot of the trauma or the sort of sadness that I experience in my life is the fact that my relationship will probably never be quite what my parents would hope for and what I would hope for with my parents, just because we're so far apart when it comes to politics and faith and all of that. And so that certainly is probably the biggest sort of crux of my life when it comes to like maybe sadness or, mm -hmm. um, not exactly my life being the way I want it is the fact that my relationship with my family is certainly different because of the fact that my faith completely changed while I was in college. Do you mind elaborating a little on, I know you talk a lot about the different theologies that you explore and um, have started to learn about. And I think what's really interesting about what we've seen on your social media in particular is that like you have such deep biblical knowledge that you can apply to things that people are talking about and you can kind of point out the hypocrisies with some of the ways that Christians speak. Um, so I would love to just hear more about your perspective and kind of how you approach theology. Yeah. When I was in seminary, I started getting really 
interested in two different types of theology, the first of which is liberation theology. And for those that are listening and have no idea what that means, it's basically theology that really takes the experiences of people who are oppressed, takes them really seriously, and then constructs a way to think about God and Jesus and all of those different things that is creating liberation for those people who are oppressed or creating justice for those people who are oppressed. And so it's really this theology that's created by people who are oppressed, whether it's people in Latin America or black people in America or queer people, even women um, and a number of other different folks in the world. Uh, and I think that's the beauty of something like liberation theology is I think it has a lot to say about what justice should look like in theology and in the world. And so I got really interested in that type of theology while I was in seminary. The other one is a theology called process theology. And process theology, the way I describe it a lot of times, is it really centers on two different things. The first of which is that everything in the world is in relationship with one another. From the electrons that make up every single atom to the atoms that make up molecules and then so on and so forth, all the way to the way that humans relate to one another, to even God, everything's in relationship. So that's process theology, uh, the first point of process theology. The second point is that the future has not been determined. So lots of different possibilities are open for the in the future. Um, and so if you grew up in a thing called Calvinism, you believe that every single thing that happens in history has been predetermined from the very beginning. And process theology is quite literally the opposite of that, that the future has not been determined whatsoever and that lots of different things could happen in the future. So that's the second point of process theology. And that was the second kind of theology that I really got into while I was in seminary. And so, yeah, those are the two theologies that I'm really into and interested in. And um, I try to talk a lot about for people because I think they can be really life-changing. Thank you. That's so interesting. It's just a whole world that I really know nothing about. So um, I appreciate you going into that. Yeah. It's like um, when you grow up with just whatever is being said at your church, all, when that's all you know, it's really hard to deconstruct and reconstruct. A lot of people mm -hmm. are just kind of working on just a deconstruction, um, but it's like beautiful to know that there are things to reconstruct with, and it doesn't have to be the like traumatic theology that you learned um, when you were in school. So like something, I went to Catholic school for 12 years and I took like a lot of apologetics, a lot of theology we had to have. So I felt like a biblical scholar. I was like, I know what transubstantiation means and blah, 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 blah. So they just like taught us big words to make us feel superior. And that's what I always associate with the term like theology and apologetics mm -hmm. is I'm like, they just educated us to make people feel bad or like to outsmart people or trick people. Like that is how it ended up feeling. Um, and I know that's not the case for everything and that's like not necessarily true. So it is like really comforting to hear that there are other ways to look at religion and to like have a relationship with God versus just um, giving teenagers superiority complexes. <laughs> right. And it, even within the beauty of the Catholic tradition is there's so many different types of Catholics and Catholic theology that is unbelievable and beautiful. And a lot of times you don't learn that kind of theology right. in a place like Catholic school, you know, you, someone like Dorothy Day was one of the prominent socialists in the early 20th century. You would never know that, uh, this, this 
Catholic woman, just very ordinary Catholic woman who was very much interested in being Catholic also was one of the most well-known socialists during that time. You have the Latin American liberation theologians who all were Catholic uh, mm -hmm. in Latin America and in the 60s. And they led a huge uh, revolution down there in, in the, the global South. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I was actually a month ago, I was talking with this Catholic nun who's a prominent process theologian. She's a mm -hmm. Catholic Franciscan uh, Franciscan Catholic nun. And I just think that there's so many Jesuits, wonderful people in the Catholic tradition. And you never learn about any of those people right. when you go to a place like Catholic school. So that's kind of the unfortunate thing about mm -hmm. a lot of these different types of Christianities is you just simply don't know. Like I mentioned before, I grew up in that conservative evangelical world. And I honestly had no idea that there were other different types of Christians out there that weren't exactly right-wing politicians or whatever. I had no idea that anything else existed. In fact, I thought Joel Olstein was a liberal. That's what that's the kind of Christianity I grew up in. So I really was it really was a transforming experience when I did find out, oh wait, I don't have like I can still really follow this Jesus guy and not have to be a right-wing politician. Yeah, uh, we talk a lot about like people just kind of turning off their religion because of things that they don't like, you know, um, like the stance on homosexuality and lots of different things that just kind of come up that you can't get past with your church group. And so you just kind of cut it off. How do you grapple with like being a Christian and wanting to follow Jesus, but then also kind of the realities of the people in the Christian community. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is important for those of us who are Christians, but are not the right wing type of Christian is to acknowledge and accept the fact that Christians throughout history and still certainly today do a lot of harm in the world. And that is part of the Christian tradition. And we have to accept that and acknowledge that we can't just say, you know what, those aren't real Christians. I think it's really important to recognize, nope, they are Christians and they are doing and causing this harm out of their Christianity. At the same time, there have been Christians all throughout history that have been working against those types of Christians as well, and still are today, and that those people are doing that type of work in the world because of their Christianity. So both are happening at the same time, and I think that we can accept both happening at the same time. I think it can be a both and. And so I obviously want to be the type of Christian that's doing good work in the world, and I want to also be a Christian who's undoing the bad work that other Christians are doing in the world. And I think both of that, both of those things can happen at the same time. And it's certainly because of my faith. I really do think that the way that I'm following Jesus is the way that I think lots of other people should be following Jesus. Now, do I think I have all the little nuances and minute things about following Jesus absolutely correctly? I hope not. But I do think in general, there is better and worse ways of following Jesus. And I would hope that I'm on kind of the better way of following Jesus, the way that Jesus really wanted to be followed in this world. So anyway, that's sort of the way I think about how to accept the fact that there are Christians out there doing a lot of bad things. And then there are Christians also doing a lot of good things in the world. Yeah, that's great. I mean, we, Sid and I talk all the time about how the you know, I was taught that Jesus loves everyone and all this stuff. And then you see Christians saying things that really are at odds with that. Mm -hmm. Um, even at my church that I grew up in that I thought was this like warm and welcoming place. So I think, yeah, that's really helpful to hear you say that. And I think something that a lot of people that we talk to are kind of like figuring out where they fall. So thank you for that.
Yeah, but I feel like I just have, we have to say, um, Becca has this theory, um, she calls it's like rules church versus vibes church. Um, so she always says that she went to a vibes church, which is Jesus loves you. And well, you, can, you can't mess up. You can't, there's nothing you can do that. That's, that's not bad. And then I went to rules church, which is just Catholicism. Um, it's like, you did this one bad thing. <laughs> I mean, you can repent, but also what were you doing? That was really stupid. You should not have done that. Um, and I feel like we just had to share that with you because yeah, we've said, like I've said, I was taught that Jesus is my best friend and Sid was taught, she was like, what? No, Jesus is my father and I am to respect him. And we were like, that is the biggest differences between the ways that we were raised, which is interesting. Yeah. Though. So for you said, you know, when you messed up, you had to say the hail Mary's X amount of times. Mm-hmm. When I grew up, if I messed up, I had to accept Jesus back into my heart X amount of times. So that was probably the biggest difference between the two, but we both probably had to say some sort of prayer to really make sure that we were in the right with God. Because yeah, the act of if confession. not, and you die, that could be bad. Yeah. Yeah. The Catholicism is still kind of weird with that, or like you can't be, obviously you have to be in a state of grace constantly. Um, to receive communion, to do anything, but also you can kind of just wear a scapular. And if you, you know about scapulars? I don't, what's a scapular? Uh, They're these like necklaces that have, um, they're normally like made of fabric and they have a saint and like their famous quote or um, like how they died a little prayer about them on one side, like a picture of them and a prayer on the other side and you wear them. And the theory is that if you wear it while when you die, you automatically get into heaven. Oh, those are just skinny jeans and mega churches. Okay. <laughs> I was like, it feels a little gift shop theology to me. Um, but so it was, there was like That's pretty much how the Protestant Reformation started too, was, you know, if you just do this one thing, you'll get into heaven. Just give us 10 bucks. All we need is 10 bucks every day for the rest of your life. Um, so I don't know. I just like grew up around all this I felt like now it feels like nonsense, you know, like that's also something that's really hard is um, like just to make yourself feel better for all of the things like the harm that you caused. Like I talk about all the time I was, I was really, really into the Catholicism. So like I really willingly went on the March for Life. I prayed outside of abortion clinics. I did a lot of things that like now I see were like really causing did you do harm. see you see you at the poll see you at the- i did see you at the poll and yeah, i see totally forgot see, about this it, is but- what this is why us evangelicals are like you know what those catholics are not even that good of christians they didn't <laughs> even do see you at the poll i was just reminded today i i was like a facebook memory popped up and i sent said the picture there's like me and 15 other like middle schoolers holding a cross like looking just trying to look like beautiful with our wooden cross that I don't know why we were carrying but we had done a like 37 hour fast like I don't even remember what it was for but I just remember like begging my mom to let me fast as like a 13 year old girl who absolutely probably did not need to be doing that um but it was like I remember just being like the most transformative thing I've ever done and I'm doing something so good for the people who do not care whether or not I eat for 37 hours. Um, but yes, I definitely did see you at the poll. <laughs> what is it? I don't know what that is. So you would go, I mean, I, I think that this is what it's like everywhere, but at least for me, you would go to your school before school would start one more. It was just one day, usually out of the year. 
but you'd get to school really early and you would pray with other people around a flagpole. And usually you'd be like praying for your country and all of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe there were some other things about it, but that's how I remembered it growing up that you would be praying for your country with a bunch of other people. But the fact that it was like usually outside of a school in front of the flagpole, like it was very visible. And like all of a sudden you'd be walking into school and you just see this huge group of people praying. Like it was meant to be like this very overt public prayer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Like, look at us. We're the good Christians praying for the school and the nation and all of that. Like that was what it, at least in my experience, what it was really meant for. Right. Right. And I guess that's kind of what we were doing too. But like, I mean, truly it was a really religious school. It wasn't one of those high schools where like you send your kids to a Catholic school because it's a good education. Like you sent your kids to this Catholic school to get a Catholic education. And our hall of fame, our wall of fame is just people who entered like the priesthood and like what like chose consecrated religious life. Um, like we have a whole wall of fame for that. So um, no one knew, like they, people were bearing witness kind of constantly, kind of like too much, a lot, um, at least to me. Um, we have found out that I was a little bit more involved than some people, and there were people who were drinking in high school. I had no idea about this. Wine at communion? Um, <laughs> one sip at a time. One sip at a time. Uh, famously, you would have to like tell um, if you like were an altar server, not an altar server, sorry, um, a Eucharistic minister and you like had the wine that like most kids didn't want to drink it. So like if you, but you would be 16 and you would drink an entire glass of wine. I don't, I'm sure the ABV is quite low, but it is technically still wine. And kids would be like, I had to go take a math test and I did not feel very good. <laughs> like at all school mass in the middle of the day. Um, I guess what I was saying earlier is that like, yeah, I ha- I felt like I had to like really discount most of the things that I did in high school to make myself feel better about it. Like be like, it was this really cr- silly, cr- crazy phase of my life versus like accepting that like that's who I am. And like, that's always going to be a part of me, which like this podcast has really helped me do. But um, I feel like that's a lot of people's experience too. Could you give us some advice? Like as people, a lot of people listening, like are in the middle of like deconstruction, reconstruction, all of us are kind of just like, everyone's in a weird place. I don't know why I say like, just our listeners are in a weird place with their, on their faith journeys. Could you like give us some advice on like, I don't know, I don't even know what we need, we just need advice, but um, <laughs> advice on like where to look for, if you like feel like you are still very faithful, but you're also progressive, like where can you get resources and things to like further your faith journey? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much out there. There's so many great podcasts. I'd like to think that mine might be a helpful one. I I don't want to too, too much shamelessly plug it, but yeah, I think my podcast is great. I know a lot of people really like Bible for normal people. That's a really great podcast that has helped a lot of people that are in a similar place. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to think if there's any other podcasts that are like that. Um, But those are the to mine <laughs> and feet end come to mind. Uh, so yeah, th- those are a couple of the podcasts that I think might be really helpful. Uh, the other piece of advice that I would give to somebody who is going through this moment of like deconstruction or changing their faith is I know how difficult it can be. There were so many times where I would cry myself to sleep because I was not the same person that I was trying to be for so long. And that was a really difficult moment when I realized that. 
And so it's going to be really difficult at times. But the other thing that I would say around it is at some point you'll realize this is who you're meant to be. You're not meant to be this conservative evangelical your whole life. And so embrace that, learn as much as you can. And at some point, you, when you embrace yourself, your new self, not your conservative evangelical self, but the new self that you're growing into, once you embrace that, it is going to be so transformative and it's going to be much more freeing, even though at times it's going to be really difficult, especially with your relationships with people who you love. So mm-hmm. kind of, again, embrace that both and. It's going to really suck at times and I don't want to sugarcoat that, but it also is going to be the thing that you're meant to be doing it's going to be transformative. And so that's the advice that I would give to somebody who's kind of in that space beyond, hey, go listen to this podcast and learn this thing about Christianity or whatever. Thanks so much for sharing. I feel better already. Yeah, thank you. Good. You can can bill my therapist later or bill me if you want. I'll get my therapist. We'll talk to your therapist. We'll get get them in conversation. Cool. Well, I think um, we can move into our next question, which is, do you have anything that you would like to add to the Good Girl Glossary? Which said, do you want to explain what that is? The Good Girl Glossary is the definitive list of people, places, and things that make up a good girl. And it doesn't have to be religious. It can be. It can be about being scared of trampolines because you could bounce pretty high and get pretty injured on a trampoline. So I keep saying that and I'm like, I need someone else to validate the fact that trampolines are scary. Oh, I'm scared of trampolines. I would say I'm probably more scared than I was as a child now that I'm a grown up. So I support you in that. That's the goodest girl of them all. And (laughs) what are some other examples besides uh, a trampoline to be a good girl? What are some examples that you've heard? Yes, other examples. Um, I was going to say clear mascara, which is one of our favorites, but um, that is like a specifically, um, which Becca can explain that one. Do you want to explain? Yes. So when I was in middle school, I was allowed to wear makeup, but my friends weren't. And I didn't want to, you know, look promiscuous by wearing makeup if nobody else was allowed to wear it. So I wore clear mascara. But my sister's good girl glossary is um, the switch foot beginning like that part that's her submission um so it's very very broad is what i'm saying it's as open as you want it to be some other non-religious ones oh not pass it passing the presidential fitness test <laughs> i feel not like you're naming like all it. the things that like i did the opposite of you know like I, you know, I, I've never worn clear mascara. I did usually press the presidential. Okay, brag. I was so. going to say, we just talked to somebody else who was like, oh, I passed that. And I was like, wow, you are ruining this for us. He's like, but I did wear an Argyle sweater. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I guess Sid and I are just not fit, but. <laughs> We're really just trying to make ourselves feel better. All right. Well, I guess what I'll add, I'll kind of go, you know, making fun of evangelicalism, but I will, I'll say this. Don't say that you're a fan of Katy Perry, unless you knew her as (laughs) the gospel singer, Katy Hudson. That's a great one. That's perfect. That's perfect. Also one of my favorite fun facts, because a lot of people don't know that she was a Christian singer before she was Katy Perry. And she dated Matt Thiessen from Reliant K. I, I didn't know that. Oh, you that's, didn't know that? Yeah, no. from like 2005 to 2007, something like that. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, they actually, I don't think they've ever been released, but supposedly they have like a couple songs that they recorded together. 
Wow. Did you see that they recently joined TikTok because um, somebody made a TikTok about how the mood rings song? I did see that. Yeah, Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I've actually gotten to know uh, their guitarist, John, pretty well, and he's great. And I've talked to him quite a bit about, you know, all that, you know, growing up in that culture and him Mm -hmm. being, you know, very much actually kind of a leader within that culture. And yeah. And his experience of getting to know Katy Perry was really bizarre. That is fascinating. Kind of, I don't think they stay in touch anymore, but kind of has this weird relationship and experience with Katy Perry because his friend and bandmate dated her for a while. Wow. That's Um, good tea. (laughs) That is good tea. I feel like um, an experience for me, one of my good girl tendencies was taking a non-Christian song and being like, this is about Jesus. So Michelle branches everywhere. Uh, To this day, I don't even understand how that song could be about a love interest. That song is about Jesus. You know, Christians, uh, evangelicals somehow did that with that Life, Lifehouse song. So they they've been able to do that you know and probably u2 i'm sure there's been plenty of u2 songs played during worship i mean certainly u2 influenced the Mm -hmm. sound of worship but i'm sure Mm -hmm. youtube has been played quite a few times in evangelical churches yeah even evangelicals love doing that shit too okay well i guess i'm in interesting company um another one of my favorites is god is a dj life is the dance floor love is the rhythm you are the music and i'm like pink sounds like a rascal flat song or something it's pink. God is a DJ. That's pink. Pink sings that. <laughs> yeah, pink sings that. Mm-hmm. And it does. You're right. Um, life you know, is a again. Highway. I was a good Christian kid, so I never listened to Pink. So this is all news to me. My sister, my sister had the Pink album, and we would, um, you'll be kissing my butt. We would yell butt really loud, so no one heard us say ass. We would. We did a lot. Um, a lot, a lot of self, um, what's it called? Self-censorship. I don't know who like the Catholic version of pink would be, but certainly my evangelical version of pink was certainly Rebecca St. James. I mean, I had a total crush on her. She was great. I loved Rebecca St. James as well. See, I don't, was again, we, so I guess it's because I didn't have my own like fun Catholic role models, except for purity culture, um, people who wrote stuff and then came and talked to us. Like, and the saints. The Everett's. You know what? We really got down with the saints. We, <laughs> we really got down with the saints. Um, so I guess I had to make my own Catholic music. That's why I was like, God is a DJ. Life well, at it. least you guys got Britney Spears now, I think, right? She's, she's Catholic. Oh, is she? I think she converted to Catholicism recently. Although I did just see a thing the other day that she now doesn't believe in God. So maybe she's not Catholic anymore. I don't know. Well, that's at one point. She for sure was Catholic though. I will say a lot of Catholics don't believe in God. They believe in (laughs) the shame. Also fun fact, Britney Spears is an anagram of Presbyterians. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Isn't that great? uh, do you have that trademark? Someone's got to put that on a t-shirt. I should, yeah, I should like put it on like a tattoo. I've actually been meaning to like tweet something about that, but yeah. Anagram of Presbyterians, Britney Spears. Wow. I love it. Awesome. Well, this is a great segue into our game. What's the name of the game? So this game is called Christian Singles and it's basically what we've just been talking about the christian singer to mainstream pop diva pipeline um we all know it's very strong on my christian college campus christian singles were a hot commodity 
because nobody was single on a college <laughs> Christian cram on a college Chris, Christian campus. Yes, hence the ring before spring. <laughs> right. Well, okay. So basically, this game it's very dumb. Um, we have a little tagline that we always write these little taglines, and then they're very awkward to deliver. But we're gonna do it, um, mm-hmm. and then we'll tell you a person's name who's a who's a pop diva, and you'll have to tell us if they got their start in the Christian community or not. Um, could also include like singing in the church choir, things like that. So it's pretty broad. So we'll say a name and then you say gospel if they started off in the church or not school if they did not start off in the church. <laughs> so are you comfortable with this? I know it's putting you um, on the I'm spot. actually, I'm very competitive. So I kind of actually want to win. Great. Okay. I- well, you're competing against only yourself. NPR. Oh, okay, never mind. Well, so, I well, want to no, do you, better you, than you, any other guest ever. You'll just be <laughs> embarrassed if you get it wrong. There'll just be silence, and then we'll put a cricket um, little sound. <laughs> <in>. so, <laughs> that's Perfect. what you would do. Okay. Um, do you want to go first? Sure. Okay. okay. Number one, I want to dance with somebody, but leave room for Jesus. Whitney Houston. Oh, for sure, gospel. Yes. By the age of 11, she'd begun to learn to play the piano at her church, where she also performed as a soloist in the gospel choir. Great job. There's very few like black female artists, especially of that era, that didn't get their start in gospel choir. So very true. Yeah. Easy peasy. All right. Let's hear it. (laughs) Number two, always be my baby in a manger, Mariah Carey. I'm gospel, I'm probably guessing as well. Not full. Really? Although Mariah is famously religious and spiritual, she actually did not get her start in the church. Although her mother was an opera singer. That's how she got into singing. Hmm. Just a she fun didn't fact. really grow up in the church at all. Interesting. And it's not that she didn't grow up in the church. She didn't get her start singing in the choir kind of thing. You know what I mean? I see. Interesting. Right? Okay. All right. right. Okay. okay. Um, number three. Is God a woman? Ariana Grande. Nospel. That is right. She got her start in children's theater and writing Zambonis. Wasn't she on like that Disney show at one point? She started off on Nickelodeon. Okay, Um, Nickelodeon. She was on Victorious. And she was on Broadway before that. She was in a musical called 13. Okay. Oh yeah, I I forgot that She got her start in like film and television, if I remember right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, but she did sing for money. (laughs) (laughs) What, As a, a child as what well. a weird way to say it. <laughs> but yeah, she, she grew up Roman Catholic and now she says she doesn't identify with the religion anymore. There was also a rumor when we were researching for this, there was a rumor at some point that she was Jewish now. And she was like, no, I don't know where that came from. So that was just a untrue fun fact. <laughs> um, okay. Are you ready for your next one? Let's hear it. Slow burn in hell. Casey Musgraves. Gospel. Not small. Oh, um, interesting. First That's a tough one, though. It is a tough one because you. She's write... in the country world, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, her first foray into songwriting was when she was eight years old, and she wrote a song called "Notice Me," which does sound feel religious. She yeah. is a good girl who started. I feel like that. there should be an asterisk next to that one. <laughs> Notice me, Jesus. <laughs> Notice me, Jesus. All right, the last one. E got Jesus. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't really say that right. E got Jesus. John Legend. Oh, oh, ooh. I'm gonna go gospel here. Yes, that's correct. He started singing in the church choir when he was age four. 
he does kind of have a gospely voice, doesn't he? Definitely. Yeah, he's got a very trained like tone. Exactly. Well, congratulations. You got three out of five? Yeah. Well, like the majority, at least, right? Yes, yeah. definitely. And all of whom are artists that I don't listen to. I just know of them. So yeah. that's got to be. Well, and to be fair, Katy Perry was one that you would have gotten right, but we took it out because we were just talking about Katy Perry. So we can give you that one too. Yeah. So Great. Four, four out of six, you crushed it. Yeah. Great. That's what, that's 75%. That's yeah. like a C, right? Yeah. yeah that's good. Yeah. I'll and take if it. We're, if we're doing wait, wait, That's a good free throw percentage too. <laughs> a, a batting average wow yeah you yeah you'd be if you were batting th- uh 75 oh my goodness you'd be you'd be out of the park straight to the hall of fame you'd be barry bonds move probably. over yeah yeah move over barry bonds that was a good <laughs> reference sid thank you so much my dad is a phd in sports oh i forget about that does it that's- what that's a thing yeah uh, he has a phd in sports psychology yeah and oh, so what psychology. he, okay. what, yeah. So what he mostly does, um, is he is like a professional coaching coach. So he like works at a bunch of different universities and also works for something called the positive coaching Alliance, which is basically he goes around teaching coaches how to not fuck up youth, like athletes for the rest of their life, oh, which is really beautiful. I think, you know? Okay. That's I'm different than this. So I was a college athlete. And so we had like sports <laughs> psychologists, or at least like we would like get videos, like coaching videos of sports mm-hmm. ki- psychologists. And that's not at all my experience with them. Yeah. When I found out that like he could have just been, i.e. Peyton Manning's personal sports psychologist, I went, oh, but instead you coach swimming. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a very athletic guy. And then he ended up with a daughter that does comedy, another daughter that's an animator, but still very proud of us. Wow. I'm we sure all have athletic parents who had unathletic children, <laughs> except for apparently Mason, who played sports in college. Yeah. What did you play? Uh, I played football uh, at my small little Christian college. And I also did track for a year as well. Okay. Wow. That's so he did pass the presidential fitness test with flying colors. Yeah, I, I, I was, I, you would not recognize me if you saw me in high school. I was definitely a jock like through and through. I had this weird, like emo, like, um, shadow side, if you will, like nobody knew other than like some of my best friends that also were into that kind of music and that scene. And Jesus. But Ooh. if you didn't know that side of me, you would have no idea. You would have just thought I was a straight up jock and that was it. Huh. Jocks for Jesus. We love it. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Well, pretty much the only thing you have left to do is we pass the offertory plate is what we call it. So is there anything you would like to offer up to our listeners? Uh, the only thing I'd like to offer up is that, uh, oh my goodness, there's so many things that I could offer up. Uh, you could listen to my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, including where, you know, you probably listen to this podcast. So, uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, just go on the little search bar, search up a people's theology. And if you want to change your life more so than how much your life has been changed by this podcast, uh, you could listen to mine and, uh, and maybe you'll delete this podcast and start only listening to mine. And maybe at some point, if we have enough people listening to just my podcast, uh, I'll also offer this incredible uh, time where you could move out with me and join my cult uh, where I'm the leader. And who knows, maybe Netflix will make a documentary about it someday. That would be great. So and then anyway, that's we'll what I'm going to And that's our credit. We love it. 
I will say we don't have enough followers for you to get competitive with us just yet. <laughs> we we're, we're trying to get more listeners and then we can compete for ultimate podcast domination. <laughs> well, who I I'm, I'm actually more, who can start the cult first. That's what I want to know. And if I can steal all of your listeners, I think I might be already there. Well, I work in advertising, so I do know how to persuade people. And oh, so yeah. I think we could make a good team, the three of us. <laughs> Yeah, we could. And I can do the ho- splits. Holy Trinity ourselves. Yeah. And Sid could do the splits. Is that what you said? Yeah, and I could do the splits. That's what I can contribute. I also tap dance. Two very important See, things athletic. for cults. That's the thing. Okay, so that's the thing we always talk Are there about. Are sports with- psychologists for tap dancers? Right. Well, we- There right, should so be. Becca and I both- Yeah, I think that there probably must be. But Becca and I both did dance. So we say with the presidential fitness thing, like we were really good at the V sit and reach. That was our time to shine. And everything else was just like- I was too weak to stand on my own two feet most of the time. You know, I do kind of remember the theater kids being really good at that one, but not doing so well in the mile run. Yeah. And like practicing at home to make sure you're the best at it. That's what I was doing with the (laughs) sit and reach. Um, I would always insist on going last in the sit and reach, which also they, we kind of like did a seated type thing, like, like, um, like basketball, like the best people got to go last. And so it was like, who's going to be the best. So I would insist on going towards the end and I would spend 45 minutes stretching. I would be like putting my feet behind my head by the end. And then someone would win just because their arms were longer. Justice it's just like the Sid. most rigged exercise ever. <laughs> it's, it's almost like it doesn't really tell you anything about your health. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it doesn't tell you anything other than whose arms are the longest in this gym <laughs> class. Not mine. Becca, anything you would like to say? Yes, I would love for you to check out my Instagram, the Becca Stevenson. You can also follow me on TikTok and Twitter at the real underscore Becca. You can follow me, Sid King, at Sid period, the period King on Instagram and TikTok. Follow me, Sid J King on Letterboxd. We got stuff to talk about. I saw Honk for Jesus and it's so good. It's you so saw good. It without me? That makes me sad. Okay, I will see. <laughs> And I've, I should have told you before you got, yeah, I don't know. I don't, okay. We'll talk about this out there. Um, and, um, actually Mason's our last guest. Um, I just ended the friendship. The podcast is over because Sid watched a movie. Nice. I feel honored. This is great. I can't think <laughs> He's of like, my movie. plan worked. Perfect. <laughs> um, and you can follow us. Good girls gone sad on Instagram at good girls gone sad and email us at good girls gone sad on gmail.com. Um, email us your good girl glossary submissions. Special thanks to our best friend, Luke Lima, um, for DJ skip to my Luke for our incredible intro and outro music. Just wait till you hear it, Mason. It's really incredible. Um, and other than that, I think we just have one thing to say. Are you ready, Becca? Yes, I think so. Jesus, Jesus wouldn't what call people whores on the internet. On the internet. Okay. <laughs> we got to work on our unison, but Jesus would not call people whores on the internet. We That's stand by end. that. That's what we end every episode with, just as a gentle reminder. Yes. But you know what? Christian husband, father, Twitter definitely will tell you that. On oh, 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 we know. This was a Roe v. Wade uh, reaction <laughs> was that y'all are not following Jesus when you're saying things like this on the internet. So and you're really out there saying things on the internet. That's true. Um, but thank you so much. Um, yes. Absolutely. Thank you yeah, for, for joining us. Yeah, this is wonderful.